I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Well, hello, or welcome back. <laughs> You're listening to the That Final Scene podcast. My name is Sophie, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Ben and Simon. Hello. Hello, hello. And today we're going to be talking about the ending of a film that is kind of iconic. It also sits its 10th anniversary. It's called The Dark Knight Rises. Not and The Dark Knight, as Simon found out when he went to watch it. <laughs> we need to get a backstory. Yeah. <laughs> I think I will give Simon the benefit of the doubt because I think it's quite confusing because in the WhatsApp group, we were just using like the initials. So if we'd been saying maybe the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises, it would That's true. And Simon was like, what the F is this? I didn't want to say it when you posted the screenshot. I was kind of like, that kind of looks like the opening, the bank heist and Dark Knight, but I'm not going to say anything just in case I'm wrong. While I was watching it, I looked up how long it was. And I noticed my film didn't match the duration of what was on Google. <laughs> and then I remembered the plane sequence should be at the beginning. I was like, there's no plane sequence. Oh dear. What film am I actually watching? <laughs> it's a pirated version of... Yeah. It had all the, the hallmarks. It had the Joker. Right, Batman. Yeah, it had Batman, Batman as Batman the tropes, yeah. There was some naughty baddies. It was, all looked legit. I haven't seen The Dark Knight in a minute, I have to say. I feel like I've rewatched it in the last year, maybe. Mm. I think I might have watched it in the run-up to seeing the new Batman movie. Mm-hmm. I think I watched it like around mm-hmm. January time before the Matt Reeves one came out. Mm. Mm. There's a lot of Christian Bale's silly voice in it. Silly? You don't like his gravity mm. Batman voice? <sighs> yeah. Isn't that Batman though? Hmm? Isn't that Batman by default though? Doesn't he have like a silly voice by default? What was he like before this series? Depends. Like I mean, Keaton? there's a couple of iterations. There's <laughs> Ke- there's Keaton, there's Clooney, there's Kilmer. You've got a lot there. Val Kilmer played Batman. Pattinson? Yeah. Really? You didn't know... No. Dude, oh. how have you not seen the Val Kilmer one? Well, it might have done. Val Kilmer is the, is he the Arnold Schwarzenegger one? Yeah. Or, yeah. So Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Mr. Freeze. Oh, Simon, this is like, Jolson, yeah. this is like 90s camp. It okay. is hilarious. You should watch it. How did you, I'm surprised you haven't seen that. It's, <laughs> who's the, is it, who's the, who's the other one? Because there's two baddies in that one. Is it Tommy Lee Jones? Is Two-Face in that? No. Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey are the Jim baddies. Jim Carrey's in yeah. it. So, no, so in no, the, it's not the same one. In the George Clooney one, you have Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face and Jim Carrey as the Riddler. And then is it Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dr. Freeze, I think? Yeah, but that's in the not Val the same film. Yeah, yeah, it's a different, yeah. Maybe I'm mixing them up, but yeah, it's fantastic. The George Clooney one is the first time Batman ever had nipples on his suit. <laughs> <laughs> which George Clooney is always apologizing for in interviews, which is quite funny. He has deeply regretted that role. Okay. Yeah. I got to about an hour and a half in, looked up the time, because like, it should be finished by now. And then I realized I was only halfway through and it was the wrong film. You got a lot of support on social, so... <laughs> I mean, admittedly, it's the better film. Speaking of hot takes and controversial opinions, it's not. It's not. A, no, it's not a hot take. What? What? I just. What is a hot take? I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like it's an, a, like controversial an opi- a controversial opinion, opinion. and yeah. popular opinion. Oh, okay. That's the Gen Z lingo that we're trying. That's the Gen Z lingo of the audience we're trying to tap into. Tap into. So huh. yeah, to, to be honest, like Ben's opinion on the Dark Knight is not. Hot take. It's more like a no. It's a it's, it's, a, it's a common it's the, it's wisdom. A common, it's the popular. Fact. Yeah, it's the popular take. Okay. It's the popular take. Yeah. What? Well, so T- that's the, TDK, most people think TDK is better than TDK. It's a superior film from the trilogy. That's the uh, common perception yeah, of that's the trilogy. The, and actually, I know some people who would consider Rises to be the Rises. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll call it Rises. Bakery. Yeah. <laughs> he has reason. But who would consider yeah. that to be the 
the worst, well, not the worst is bad, is not, is the word is the wrong word to use, but of the three films, it would be third, and yeah. the games would be second. We've heard we heard it all on Instagram because mm. we actually got a lot of positive feedback from people that uh, they, you know, whoever is listening at home, they're really enjoying our hot takes. So okay. we thought That's it nice. would be a good opportunity to do. I'm gonna say it again. A whole take segment uh, for the. I thought da- you just say really rude yeah, things. Yeah. No, no, no. But for the Dark Knight trilogy in particular, have people speak up their mind and say whatever they want. And we asked people yesterday, and people delivered. So we're gonna go through them uh, in a bit. That's part of our community segment, but. Yeah, that's an opinion that The Dark Knight Rises is the worst film. But I also heard that quite a few people say that Batman Begins is actually shit. So <laughs> there's a spectrum of hot takes out there. So looking forward to going through this with you in a second. But before doing that, what have you guys been watching? After we met up yep. at the weekend. That was Saturday, yeah. I had a hangover day on Sunday. Love it. And so therefore... So, a risky business? Nope. I <laughs> loaded up the Netflix the, <laughs> and the first thing that caught my eye was a film called Executive Decision. Steven Seagal and Kurt Russell. Is that your homepage wow. algorithm? I don't know. Do, serving. I, mean, I, had to, I, think, I think I might have typed it in actually, to be honest. <laughs> I can't we should, remember. Uh, we, what we should do is we should look through all three of our suggested oh, films that's a good on, idea, ne- actually, on Netflix yeah. to see what our algorithms are showing oh, us. Man. Anyway, interesting. Olive, who's my daughter, who's three, was in the room and in the first scene started crying because it's like quite scary. So I turned it off and scary then had how? S- I mean Steven Seagal walks on screen, that's scary. That's enough. it. No, the fighter jet is like underneath the seven four seven plane and they have this pipe that goes up. <laughs> so like Steven Seagal and his team can break into the main plane to much, save everyone. Much like the start of the Dark Knight Rises. It's, it's, there's parallels. And Steven Seagal, which is very unusual for him, because I'm sure he has it written to his contract that he can never be killed, gets sucked out of the pipe because it, it like loses pressure. <laughs> like, so Steven Seagal's killed off really early on in this film. And then Olive was like, like, it, like Drew, Drew Barrymore and Scream, everybody's shocked that yeah. Steven Seagal's dead. I was shook. <laughs> so we had to turn it off and then watch Beethoven 2. Solid. Which was horrific. Yeah, solid movie, but yeah. a big dog. And did that help with your hangover? Did it make it worse? I fell asleep for most of it. So <laughs> that, that would help. I, I woke up, the yeah. Yeah. I woke sleeping. up and then they were having a, a burger eating competition. And then uh, <laughs> something else. I can't remember. Yeah. Sounds good to me. So that's what I've been watching. <laughs> ben, what have you been watching? I've, I've, been, watching, I've been watching quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, I, for some ridiculous reason, I'm still persisting with Halo and it's persisting to be the most boring show I've ever watched in my oh, entire life. Why are you watching oh, it? My. Dude, I'm just skipping through it at this stage. There's I'm no literally obligation. like scrolling, hate, hate scrolling. Hate watching is a thing. I hate am watching is a thing. <laughs> what, because really you feel pot committed because you've yeah, gone so far. Dude, I'm yeah. eight episodes in. There's yeah. three left. So I have to finish it. I'm just like, I just I have like to finish breaking this fucking bad. thing. Breaking yeah, Bad. Breaking Bad is great though. It didn't keep getting worse though. Breaking Bad got Halo has just gotten consistently more dull wow. <laughs> like zero to no interesting plot zero to no interesting performances Shame. it's just getting weirder and weirder and it's just yeah just not really enjoying it then i've watched just a couple of random movies this, this week i watched predator on friday right. night because nice. i was just lying in bed flicking through disney plus and prey is coming out this weekend actually prey is coming out yeah. on friday and i want to watch that so i was like yeah fuck it i'm gonna watch the original predator and i love a bit of arnie mm-hmm. you know one of his best performances i think in predator because it's just so kind <laughs> i mean for a, for a movie that's really like a, a solid you know alien action movie it's just 
classic Camp Arnie. And then I watched Le Mans 66. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with, with Matt Damon. For, which is called Four Vied Ferrari in the States mm-hmm. for our US listeners, which is, I think is really interesting. And then I went so to like a completely different name. Yeah. So I was I was looking into this. There's a lot of films that will have different names depending on the territories they're releasing. So mm. it's called Ford v Ferrari in America because it sounds more like aggressive and it's, it's more cool and it's really marketable. And in the UK, it's called Le Mans 66 mm. because it's a build up to the race in 66. And it's really nice because you can see how Ford v Ferrari is an interesting title, but actually the film was a really nice kind of untold story about Christian Bale's character that everybody knows the story of Matt Damon's character like Carol Shelby who owned Shelby Motors and helped him design the car but what a lot of people don't know about was the guy who drove the car who is Christian Bale that's quite interesting I actually quite enjoyed it I do like a good like racing film like I really like Rush and stuff like that I really um, like that film. Yeah, Rush yeah. is really good. The soundtrack is good as well. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. I think we talked about this with mm. Ewan McGregor. Like, Christian Bale's got just a solid bar that he doesn't really drop under, I think. And I think besides, what was that awful film that he did? He was in Egypt. Oh, my God, I can't remember. The cultural appropriation of that film. Yeah. <laughs> Why? What happens? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's shaky. It's it's it's, 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 it's a white savior. <laughs> it's it's a white Australian guy and a white Welsh guy playing two Egyptians. It's as bad as you think it's gonna be. What's yeah. the accent? Oh, that's. I don't good, even think they do really. You know, it's just them being like dark and brooding and talking like oh, okay. you know, kind of so. So yeah, I've been watching quite a lot. What about you? Okay, so I have a bit of an announcement. Wait, shall I open it's another fun. beer? I think I told you, Simon. So I am going through this experiment where I am. I have quit most of uh, streaming services. As of right now, I have quit Netflix, Apple TV+, Now TV, which for our non-UK listeners, that's the equivalent of HBO Max, kind of. It has the HBO originals and Showtime and Square. Sky, so. Sophie, are, do we do a movie podcast and you're about to tell us you have experiment and you're not watching movies anymore? So, okay, so, so it's going to be really hard to sell. Here's a twist. I had to keep Prime Video because I have prepaid for the entire year. So okay. thanks, Amazon. I didn't want to obsess over it. I just wanted to use an experiment. Just be like, what is life without streaming services? Because I still have my local cinema next door that I could go to because... I think we had this discussion in our last episode when you were mentioning you were going to the gym and I wanted to just... Is this the cinematic version of going vegan? Sugar-free. I think that would be a better description because 80% of the stuff that Netflix pumps out right now, it's trash. I mean, I know that I'm going to go back to them eventually, but I do think that it's much more effective to just almost have them on rotation, right? So if you want to watch something, then you can just resubscribe but why like I realized that I hadn't seen anything on Netflix uh, other than Better Call Saul in, in ages and I was like why should I pay that you know 15 pound wh- whatever it is right at this point and yeah if the, when the new Stranger Things comes out or whatever like I might just go back to it I just don't see the value of it and I looking back I realized that after work, instead of, you know, going to my local cinema or watching something a bit more like higher quality. Yeah, I know that I'm going to be just because I literally have a podcast on films and, you know, like a social presence on films. But cinema is around the door. I have Prime. And but that, you can just, you can still buy one off films. And, and I can rent. Yeah. And I can yeah, rent and I can rent buy. Them, yeah. yeah, like it's more intentional. Wait, I already do this. I'm already this pure. I aspire to be like you. You're downloading uh, the wrong videos every week at a high price. That's your problem. <laughs> Uh, that said, I do have a recommendation, which is from Prime. 
It only has two seasons and it just flew under the radar for me. It's called Undone. Have you heard of it? Oh, yes, I have heard of it. Yeah. So it's, um, it has two seasons. It's with Rosa Salazar. She's the girl that did Anita, what I want to say, James Cameron's film. She's really good. Her dad is Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. He's fantastic. And what's unique about the show is that it, it's that it uses uh, rot- rotoscoping. Is that rot- rotoscope? Yeah, rotoscope. With the cutting out method. It's very expensive. It's a very expensive method. Mm. If you've seen the scanner darkly, I want to say. Scanner darkly. Yes, yeah. so that's the same method. But we're not going to say method acting because that's not allowed. No. no, no. But Keanu Reeves is actually really good in that film. <laughs> Keanu's great in every film. Uh, Apart take, from, a, well, actually, The Lake House, actually. Yeah, yeah well, that's what I'm saying. That's not true. <laughs> that's, that's definitely not true. <laughs> I love Keanu, but my God, that's not true. Film, it's actually a great recommendation for this episode because we're talking about Nolan, obviously. And if you like Inception or Interstellar, you're going to love this show because like a sci-fi, mind-bending kind of film where the idea is, so uh, Rosa plays Almas, like a 28-year-old girl, I think she's in Texas, and after recovering from a car accident, she's convinced that she can communicate with the spirit of her dead dad. That is Bob Odenkirk. Kind Sounds of- like Frequency with Dennis Quaid. Ooh, yeah, I can see some inspiration from that. That's a good show. Basically, that, I mean, that's the premise of season one, where we see her revisit her past. She uncovers some truths that she doesn't want to uncover. There's a bit of a, is she, man- is she coming up with those ideas or... Are these things actually happening? Does he actually have superpowers or is it just mentally ill? Has a kind of dream or reality kind of uh, existential question. And yeah, it just talks, I don't know, that's about mental illness and intergenerational trauma as well. It's just like very, very well done. So cool. yeah, just two seasons, I think eight episodes each. So it's very easy oh, to- Oh, that's a nice what was it, What's it on? Prime. Okay. Do watch it. It's just really, really good. Like a very, yeah, underrated show. With Prime or just- Pushing money into everything. That new Lord of the Rings show looks like it's Christ. I mean, that's, it already is. That's been the money, works for like a, a decade of years now. now. Yeah, we're finally getting it next month, start of September. I hope it's worth it. Oh God, so I do I. Hope I. it's <laughs> worth it. Yeah. So do I. Just for the terrible fake Irish accents in it, but Ooh. I'm already looking forward to never watching it. Have you seen yeah. Lord of the Rings? And- no. Oh, well, that's then a final scene that we have to do. You haven't seen Lord of the Rings. My God. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? So, we ask you to serve us with your spiciest uh, hot takes about... (laughs) You've been served. Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy, and as always, you all delivered, so let's get right into it. I can start with some of my faves. The problem I have with Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy is that Batman is just too cop-friendly. The only cop he should be working with is Jim Gordon. A true Batman is an anti-cop Batman like Pattinson's. Also, Christian Bale's Batman and Bruce Wayne doesn't really have much of a presence. He's boring. It's the other characters who are trying so hard to make him look interesting. So two different hot takes here. I mean, is he too cop-friendly is my question. I know know in Dark Knight... He's definitely more cop-friendly than Pattinson's, yes. Yeah, but Pattinson's Pattinson's is an intentional leaning into we're going to make Batman as dark as humanly possible. Yes. I think it's... And this is the interesting thing about Batman is that there's been a lot of different interpretations of what... So, like, from Tim Burton's Michael Keaton ones to the Val Kilmer ones to Christopher Nolan's to the animated series to the latest one. Batman's been open to a lot of different interpretations. And I think Nolan's one is 
just kind of more of that. There isn't, I mean, yeah, of course, he has a lot of interaction with Gordon. He has a lot of interaction with John Blake as well, which is a bit of like a story. Well, I think that, for a that's, film that's trying to make an argument about class divide yeah, and revolution, and, he's probably being a bit too... And that's... The, the, I have issues with the John Blake character anyway, yeah. because, <laughs> like, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's great, but having him in that film just so you can set up one line from someone at the end that possibly means in future we could get a movie where he plays Robin. I don't think that was the intention. Even just to have it, though, like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of even having that in there? You know, just, as you say, fan service and stuff like that, which actually this film does quite a lot of. Like, it does a lot of fan service-y stuff. But I don't know if he's... Yeah, I think it's just... I think this is just Nolan's interpretation of Batman in the world at the time. It's interesting to look at the Batman movies in like what the world was like when they came out and yep. like are they a reflection of you know what Batman needed to be at that kind of mm-hmm. time what do you think about Christian Bale's Batman being boring he's very wholesome isn't he in, in terms of what you envision for Batman to be generally they're trying really really hard to portray him as the ultimate do-gooding hero <laughs> And he's willing to sacrifice everything, even himself. I think Dark Knight's better at not doing that because the whole mm. point of Dark Knight is the idea that you have to overcome those morals or do you have to do that? And that's yeah. a more interesting kind of psychological look at it. But in this mm-hmm. one, it's definitely more so like, you know, mm. the Dark Knight riding in and mm-hmm. saving the day. I think it's an interesting one because it's a very, I think in most Batman movies, the person is either really good at being Bruce Wayne and not very good at being Batman or very good at being Batman and not being very good at being Bruce Wayne. I think Christian Bale kind of strikes a balance at both in that he's not necessarily the greatest Batman in the world, but he kind of balances that out a bit with being maybe a little bit of a better Bruce Wayne. Moving on. The third film was the weakest of the trilogy, even though it has the best beginning, in Agree. my opinion. Agree. I'd be interested in saying. I love, the, I love the opening. The scene. intro is fantastic and i think there's a lot of great set pieces in it as well it's hard to say it's the worst i think worse is too strong a word i definitely think it's possibly the weakest of the three or maybe even on par with batman begins i think there's probably merits to both i don't necessarily know if they outweigh one another in the argument of which is worse for me it's the weakest i think the fan service doesn't help it and the biggest thing for me is like there are just so many blood holes in the third like in the third one like the 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 second one is still my favorite, but I do give the first one a lot of credit because it's such a good origin story. When explosions start from the first 10 minutes and with Batman Begins, you don't see actual fighting until the, you know, what, 40 minutes, like an hour in. Like it's just really focusing on setting up the character and Simon, to what you said, really trying to get the audience to care about him in the first place. So I give a lot of credit about Begins for that. And there's, there's great performances in Begins as well. Yeah, like I exactly. Think yeah. Killian, Killian Murphy's great as the Scarecrow. So good. And Liam Neeson's brilliant as Ra's so al as well. Like they're really, really solid yeah, performances Katie throughout Holmes it. Katie not so good, but it's fine. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal's definitely the better. Um, he's such a superior, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, the third one, uh, there, are lo- there are things that I love. Like I love Bane personally. I love Tom Hardy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like John Blake, Talia, uh, the new it, character just feel. I remember, I remember when it came out originally, and everybody being like, "Oh, she's going to be Talia Al Ghul," and it was kind of like the worst kept secret that this is what it was going to be. And it's kind of disappointing because they could have had enough in there to not need to bring that. I understand that they're tying off the trilogy, and they were like, "How do we tie it off? We bring it back to the first one," mm-hmm. and it's an interesting idea, but. I mean, they could have just made it that Bane is back to avenge the League of Shadows and it not have to be 
Ra's al Ghul's daughter. I mean, yeah, he does have a daughter the in the comic books. Work. He does have a daughter in the comic books, but in the comic books, he's also immortal. So, yes. I mean, <laughs> for yeah. not, we don't necessarily need to to go that into the comics. And I remember even thinking initially, like, how are they going to do Bane? I didn't know if he had like that as a Bane as a character, especially with the comic books, has had enough to carry the weight of an entire film. But he does for about what two hours and twenty minutes. It is just it is Bane until we find out like twenty minutes from the end. In the third film, everyone was asking for Riddler, obviously, because mm. massive Batman villain. But Nolan was like, no, because he's a bit too similar to the Joker, where like it's more like psychological games. I want someone with like fit, like proper physicality, like a beast that can take Batman like on the ground, really, and just play with that. Even though I feel like it kind of that that flipped on its head because the for me the worst thing about the third film is the fight scenes and the choreography hasn't aged well Stuff. yeah but what you said earlier is actually the fourth hot take from a listener Bane's muffled voice is cool actually I think the lack of backstory around his mask and persona makes him interesting almost as iconic as a joker they reveal that it's Miranda Tate and not him who got out of the cavern it kind of sucks though I yeah. mean, if they hadn't done the Miranda Tate switch, it probably could have ended and this would have helped Simon probably ended about 20 minutes earlier anyway. Um, I had one final hot take from our community. And uh, yeah, it, I think, Simon, you're probably going to be best to speak to this because you, you watched the film yesterday, so you have no excuse. Uh, that scene, The Dark Knight, where the Joker leaves the bank in a school bus, it looks dumb. <laughs> the whole high scene was great, but the escape makes no sense. The bus driver right behind him was either blind or was an accomplice, but that was never discussed in the movie. That was actually yeah. the most liked comment. I complete, in, That stuck out to me as well, because right. all the school buses are just trundling along the road, and then suddenly this school bus like just drives out of nowhere, <laughs> and there's like this, out of the side of a building. Sort of crashes out of a building, then manages to sneak into the road and just carry on as normal. Yeah, yeah that was a very popular plot hole. Yeah, interesting. In the I would say that's not really a hot take, that's just a very valid point. Cool. And to round out this segment, we got a voice note from a listener who's going all in on his hot take about Bane versus the Joker. Hi, everyone. This is Chris. On the topic of The Dark Knight Rises, I've got to say, Bane is a better villain than Joker. While Heath Ledger's performance may be singular to the point of overshadowing Tom Hardy's Bane, Bane is just a better foil to Batman in these films. He is physically stronger. He is smarter. He is more ruthless than the Joker. And, you know, that that voice just haunts my dreams. I know people love comparing villains. I just think they're great in their own respect. It, that's great. what I was going to say. It's hard to compare because Bane and the Joker are doing two different things to tell two different angles of Batman. Yeah, Like the Joker's story is about Batman's morality and what he's willing to do. Bane's story is about how he can push himself. Like it's a very, it's, it's a very different villain. I also think to say Bane is more ruthless than the Joker is probably not true. I think yeah. he, I think Bane just dials it up to 11 because he has the nuclear bomb. I mean, the Joker is willing to blow up a boatload of civilians and he has zero I mean, chill. kills a dude with a pencil. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's I think it's it's not fair to say that Bane is more ruthless. I think they're different. And yeah, as you say, I don't know if you can compare. The one thing I can I can definitely say is the chemistry was wasn't quite there with Bale. Bale spent a lot of time with Ledger, 
Like they have a lot of screen time together while, I mean, Bale with Tom Hardy, not as much. I think it's also to do with how both have been written in that in the dark night, the Joker's obsession is Batman. And, you know, as he says, like, exactly. you, you completely, whereas Bane is just a mercenary carrying out an order. So, final scene. We're ready? Let's do it. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. Uh, does it even make sense for me to give a spoiler warning at this point? I mean, we have spoiler. We spoiled the whole trilogy <laughs> the whole at this point. <laughs> First of all, so we kind of tried to recap the film for yeah, everyone. Sounds good. It, especially the, It'll certainly help me. The, the end. The end. Yeah, especially for Simon. So as you all remember, in the end, Batman was able to get control of Gotham back from Bane, though it was Catwoman who actually gave the killing shot. We haven't spoken about Anne Hathaway. It's, it was brilliant in the film. But of course, the, the issue was the threat wasn't over. That reactor said to explode and decimate the entire city was still somewhere out there. And although Gordon had prevented it from being remotely detonated, it was now in Talia's hands. Batman, Catwoman, and Gordon were able to take out the truck carrying the bomb, but before she died, Talia destroyed the reactor so that they couldn't put the core back into it for disarming. With no other alternative, Bruce was forced to attach the core to the bat and fly it over the bay so it could detonate away from civilians. But as the aircraft had to be flown manually, we watched him seemingly sacrifice himself, saving everyone in his home city. In the very last moments of the film, we get a final taste of what life had ahead of the main players. We see Gordon continuing his police work, but he's kind of surprised to see the bat signal back atop of the GCPD rooftop. I really like that scene. Lucius Fox discovers that the bat's autopilot issue had been fixed six months prior, seemingly by Bruce Wayne, suggesting that he actually survived the nuclear explosion. John Blake quits the police force and after being left some caving gear and a set of coordinates by Bruce he goes on his way to find the Batcave and we find out that his name is Robin was that before or after he takes the bag and she says you you should use your real name I like it I am Robin and then she just says Robin as he walks away (laughs) it's as if they put it it's like they put it in in post that's true that's true Uh, As for Alfred, at first we see him crying over Bruce's death, some great crying acting from Michael Caine in that scene, but... He blew blew the bloody doors off that scene. I really like that scene. Sorry. But at what most people consider to be the final scene, the film cuts to Florence in Italy, where we see him at that cafe that he had mentioned as a fantasy earlier in the film, which goes... I had this fantasy that I would look across the tables and I'd see you there with a wife maybe a, a couple of kids you wouldn't say anything to me nor me to you but we both know that you'd made it that you were happy I love that scene this is where he sees Bruce and Selena across from him they give each other not to one another and they go their separate ways just like he envisioned but actually the very final shot of the film is I mean cuts back to John Blake again where he discovers the Batcave that's how the film actually ends yeah with the he he stands on the platform and starts to rise out of the water the other important thing to mention is is that in the scene where they're giving away the belongings is that someone says one of the lots is missing one of the items is missing and it's it's 
uh, Bruce Wayne's mother's pearl necklace, which is what Catwoman steals in the opening scene, which she is wearing in the cafe in Florence. Mm -hmm. Which probably proves that this wasn't a dream. Well, I think, do you know what? I think, because is Dark Knight Rises, is it after Inception or is it before? Dark Knight is the same year as Inception, 2008. yeah, and then Dark Knight Rises is after. Twelve. I, yeah. I think I think a lot of people having seen the end of Inception, where it's like, do they don't they probably are going into think, well, Nolan probably means lots of different things here. But actually, there's a nod to the fact that the autopilot's been fixed for six months. The neck the pearl necklace is gone, and she has it. I remember thinking it initially, kind of almost wanting it to be that way, wanting it to be like a dream sequence, and thinking, oh, is that like that's the cliffhanger, and we don't know whether he's dead or not. But the, the more I watch it, I'm like, no, he's clearly alive. Yeah, I mean, I am fairly convinced as well that it mm. wasn't a dream, and it's a pretty straightforward ending. Even though we do have an interview from Christian Bale saying that it wasn't a dream as well. But the only reason I would give, I don't know, potentially consider it to be a dream is because how he got out of the the bat and surviving the explosion is so unrealistic. Like the editing of the film, of that scene, is kind of weird because if you remember, we see him in the bat up until the very last moment before no, it blows up. No, not necessarily. Up. So no? we see him in the bat yeah. and then we see a shot of him flying over what looks like a beach. Right, and then but, it flies ha- but he's out. still he's still human. Like how, he needs to be miles away to it. Like how does he survive the explosion? Well, Even yeah, but it's also it could also be just clever editing that we're not seeing him. Do, well, obviously we don't see him bail out, but it's clever editing the way you cut it. Okay, and then how does he swing back to the shore with a Batman suit without being seen by anyone? Well, I mean, it's a city where everybody's been enclosed in for six months. I hardly, I hardly think they're all just running to the beach. <laughs> but he, but he needed to make it back to the shore. Otherwise, how could he make it back? Well, to we don't know. Italy? He might, he might, he might have bailed out over the shore. We don't know that yet. So much pun. Oh going man! Ahead. I mean, bailed my out, explanation yes. is that he's he's Batman. That's all we need to know. But so I, yeah, this question might be really basic. Yeah. But I thought in the Italy scene when they're mm-hmm. having in the cafe. Wouldn't loads of people recognize this billionaire Bruce Wayne just pottering around? I thought of that as well, but then I was like, how many people in Italy flogged all of his business? Yeah, Elon Musk is a bit of an exception. How how many people do know what Warren Buffet looks like? And also, Warren Buffet. (laughs) Buffet? What's his name? Warren Buffett. Uh, Oh, sorry, Buffett. I like Warren Warren Buffet. I want to like Phoebe Phoebe Buffet. Warren's Buffet could be my restaurant chain. That's the French version of his name. Warren's Baguette. Warren Buffet. <laughs> you have to think about the fact that Bruce Wayne is supposed to have been killed. Well, that makes it even weirder. So, so this famous billionaire, I mean, this is probably, you know, news all around the world, suddenly is having a coffee in this Yeah, but he's, he's, yeah. Part of, he's, he's one of the multitude of people who was killed in Gotham at that time. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He's a US billionaire. Like, it's not like the rest of the world wakes up every day thinking of how US billionaires look like, with the exception of people like Elon Musk. I mean, he's an exception. What about Bill? Bill Gartz. Like, imagine if he, he think, died and then, like, like, you were having a coffee in your local square in Italy and then suddenly Bill's popping up. Rem- I'm not even sure I would recognise him at this point. Really? Because he's gotten old. I mean, he's an exception, but... Also, Christian Bale is so yeah. hunky. He's very noticeable. He's at his best. He is. Oh, Especially at the end with that little that little bit Oof. of long hair and that, how, that, how that many, salmon shirt. How many years is it from American Psycho to this film? Oh, geez, about 12, 13 years? It was 2012. Like, there's that amazing scene in American Psycho where he does where his he, beauty he does, he peels regimen. The, he peels the skin thing mm. off, yeah. And, and it's, the skin is in, just incredible in that scene, but it looks really similar in yeah. Batman. Yeah. How like... Oh, 
pristine it is. He's chiseled. Mm. Chiseled. He looks great in all three films, mm. gotta say. I think it is him at the end. I really, like I do. Yeah. And I think I think there's enough nods towards it. And I think it's, I think the fact that you do have the autopilot and the, it is being like, he is alive. Mm-hmm. And I think it would feel very un-Batman for it to be like, it's a dream. On that dream note, we actually had another voice note from a listener. So should we play that as well? Yeah, over it. Hi, Sophie. This is Saf. I think uh, that scene at the cafe was actually... Uh, real. The reasons being that uh, he puts his wallet back in. We see Selena Kyle is wearing the necklace. Uh, we see uh, elsewhere that Fox is learning that the autopilot had been already fixed by Bruce Wayne himself. It doesn't matter if he survived or not. What matters is that we get the idea that he has finally set his Batman persona to become Bruce Wayne again. And that is supported by Robin finding the cave and Gotham actually has a new savior in Robin and the Batman doesn't need to uh, come back. I do think the trilogy as a whole, whether it stands up as good or the worst of the three, even though it's not the best of the three films, I think it ties it together nicely. Like that final scene isn't just the end of The Dark Knight Rises, it is the end of Nolan and Bale's Batman trilogy as well. And so it is... As Alfred says, it's finally giving him that out. You know, I think, what is it? When he's, he talks, I think in that scene as well, maybe it's just before he says, you know, when you disappeared, in, as he's talking about in Batman Begins, all I ever hoped was that you just wouldn't come back because I'd know, you know, you'd, be, you'd have done something else. You'd have made something of yourself and you wouldn't have come back because that's all Alfred, all Alfred has ever wanted over the three films since he comes back from you know, training with the League of Shadows. And the first one is he wants an out for him. It's mm-hmm. all he ever wants. And because he owes this debt to his parents, that's why that scene at the end of him on the grave is so like heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, saying that he failed his parents is, because that's all he's ever been trying to do and protecting him. And, he, and, you know, letting him, almost letting him do the Batman thing, like letting him be Batman, but also still trying to find a way out for him. I think has always been the thing. And actually this trilogy is a nice out, you know, closes the book. Now he's done. It's a romantic way to end the film. And then mm. if, if we need to remember that Nolan is a romantic, right? If you think, of, if you look back at his film, like Inception, it's about love, Interstellar is about love. So he's, he's, uh, he's much more emotional as a filmmaker as we like to, as he kind of comes across because he has like major blockbuster films, but he can be very sentimental. And I think that was his way of, that was a story he wanted to say. Even Not to bring kind of, back the prestige, but I mean the prestige. Course, there's two yeah, like really strong love stories in the prestige. Yeah, as well. yeah. So I do think that, that that was his intention, and yeah, he's gonna get criticized. I mean, there are people out there that say the ending is too perfect, too neat, too too fitting, right? And I mean, fine. There are some people that just love seeing Batman suffering, right? Like there is that kind of. I think wow. too many people just like a cliffhanger as well. I think that's why people look into it. Is, is, it, is it a yeah. dream? Is it not a dream? Because I think too many people want to hang on to the belief that there could be something more, or that it's a dream or, you know. I think this is why he ends with John Blake finding the Batcave rather than the scene in Italy. Because ultimately, the point that he wants to make, as you said, is that, okay, so the Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne storyline, that's over. Or at least we can let him be right now, that's the idea. But he was never going to be Batman forever, right? The idea is that Batman is a symbol, right? It transcends like 
human body in a way. It transcends like the, yeah, Christian Bale, like whoever, the form of Christian Bale. That's what's a bit contradictory in my opinion, because even though John Blake, we see him say, okay, my name is Robin. At the same time, in the very final show, the, the suggestion is that he's going to become the next Batman in a way. What they should have done is there is, there is an old Batman cartoon called Batman Beyond, where basically Batman is an old man. This young guy breaks into his house and then it becomes that he becomes Batman. Batman. And yeah, background, yeah, yeah, pretty much background, yeah. <laughs> it's called Batman Beyond. It's really good. They should have done that. It didn't need to be the Robin thing. They, pre- if you wanted to do like a nod and fan service, yeah. that that was an easier way to do yes. it. Have it, have it as a nod to him. Yeah. But I thought the Robin thing was just a little bit, a little bit too. I much. agree. Yeah, it didn't. Feel, yeah, the Robin thing shouldn't be. There. Or, or yeah, you're right. They should have introduced someone else mm. because, like, even the comics, like, it, it's not like Bruce Wayne was always the Batman. You had. The Grayson and even James Gordon was the bat like was the Batman in a comic book or oh, what's his name, uh, James something uh, you know Jason Todd like there were yeah Jason Todd as well so it's not like Bruce Wayne is tied back to that Batman identity. If you go back to Batman Begins, one of the things that he talks about when developing the idea of the, being the Batman is is that I can't just be a man; I have to be a symbol. Yes, he, and he says, says that to John one. Blake. Oh, and he, he says, says it to yeah. says John Blake as well. I think early when they are in that mm. car. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I think Nolan really liked that idea of I'm just you know kind of giving up the suit to someone mm. else, and that's what that it's very symbolic in a way. I have to ask Simon as a superhero movie that you're in inverted commas because it's not the most superhero superhero movies. It's like it's quite grounded. What did you think of it? Because I know you're not really. You know, we saw when we talked about Doctor Strange, you weren't kind of mad into that one. I thought once I'd seen The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises just was like the same again, but with really exciting intro and stuff. But mm-hmm. The Dark Knight was enough for me to like understand that it was going a bit dark, a bit grittier, a bit more real. It's interesting because like it, it could have ended. ended. Yeah, yeah, it could have ended yeah. with that end of The Dark Knight where, you know, Harvey Dent is dead and Batman is the quote-unquote villain. My hot take would be that Ooh. it's a it's a children's cheddar script with quite aggressive violence laid on top for adults. Dark Knight Rises or uh, Dark Knight? Both of them. I, would, I, I think I would agree with that about Rises. I don't necessarily think d- The Dark Knight is that way. I think The Dark Knight has a little bit more like to binary. it. It's very binary. It's very like good and it's always delineating good and evil very clearly. And But I think that's what The Dark Knight does well. In the, the Dark Knight does well and that it, it takes the line of good and evil and the whole point of the Joker is pushing Batman to find the line. That's and why it, it's face. different. Yeah, and Two-Face as well. Yeah, I can't forget Aaron Eckhart, can we? The first time you see the Christopher Nolan and Batman is like... You can't repeat that. Once you see that the first time, that's a really amazing moment where you're like, shit, that's this true. is really dark and gritty. And you can't ever get back to that again. And then everything else just feels like it's the same again. So The Dark Knight Rises just felt like a another version of. If you look at the trilogy, it's a re- I love it. I do think, however, that it's massively elevated by the soundtrack. If you remove the score, even like some scenes that are fairly basic, like a dialogue is basic, you know, like there's nothing super emotional happening, you know, in the scene. But the score throughout is so incredible that elevates everything, elevates the, you know, more the slower scenes, elevates the more like fighty scenes. So yeah, if 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 you remove the score, it would be more like a seven out of ten films for me. And the kind of, I don't know, Hansi Murray just fantastic. Yeah, it's one of my favorite scores. One of the pieces of music that I've forgotten about that I think everybody 
goes to like the crazy like razor blades on strings from like the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. But actually some of the best music is that the really emotive music at the end of the Dark Knight in the scene where he, it's Two-Face and Jim Gordon and his son. Mm -hmm. That's, those strings are, are and it's not, and it's not, uh, it's not the really intense, like, as I say, like razor blades on the strings. It's just this really emotive piece of like orchestration. It's brilliant. And as you say, it kind of elevates it from like a seven to a ten. I mean, I think I think the Dark Knight as superhero movies go is pretty much perfect. Yeah, that would be my opinion. Like I don't, th- I love Endgame and I love what Marvel do, but for me, as someone who loved the Batman comics when I was yes. younger and still has a like really great appreciation for what the Batman comics do. I don't think anything's beaten the Dark Knight for what it did at the time mm-hmm. and what it kind mm-hmm. of continued. Like, it still holds up when you rewatch mm-hmm. it, I think. And it does have my final scene from the trilogy. Like, the, the final, the, the monologue of uh, Gordon in the end is just amazing. I'm all for a happy ending for Batman. The one thing that I didn't like, though, was Selina joining him. That was the one thing I was like, mm. Again, Nolan is not quite famous for writing iconic like female roles in general and I do have my issues with how he's I don't know how he wrote you know Miranda Tate and Rachel and even Catwoman but the thing is I would much rather he goes on I mean I don't know he didn't need someone by his side and he definitely like didn't need Catwoman whether you know how like earlier in the film there's a bit of a scene I mean there's a scene where Anne Hathaway's Catwoman cuddles up with Juno Temple's character there's a suggestion that it's her girlfriend, which is, I mean, it's much more clear in, you know. Zoe Kravitz. Uh, yes, that she's bisexual. And you can tell that he's kind of doing her own things. She kind of brushes him all throughout the film. And all of a sudden she gives up everything and she joins him in Italy, like Catwoman. She's a kind, I don't know. To me, she was more like, yeah, I'll fuck you. But at the same time, you're, you're like, a, I don't know, you're like a... Side yeah, she does. <laughs> she does have that big switch towards the end where she says to yeah, feel, she said yeah. what she says to Batman, you know, just come away with me and let's go and stuff <laughs> y- like that. Yeah, and, it's a bit silly. You know, it's, a it's a, it is a little bit. It's a bit forced. Yeah, yeah. It could have just been yeah. someone else. It could have been just some random woman. Yeah, or just on his own. Like, go do you, like, go find yourself. Like, you need some. You, you need some alone time. <laughs> for, you for, need for to, a bit. You need to think about what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> just chill. Like, just like yeah, go find an Itali- yeah, an Italian woman. Um, just. I don't know. That's my only thing. I, I don't think. I don't think Catwoman was necessary in that in that scene. Yeah, I think. I mean, the only thing it, the the only reason she's kind of needed there is you can't have the whole thing about the pearl necklace to reinforce that he is there to have the pearl necklace missing and to have her have it. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it does just feel like a a throwaway thing. Yeah, probably. Probably. She's going to betray him yeah. like at the end of yeah. Casino Royale, basically, is what's going to happen. Yeah. That happened in Italy as well. Yeah. And don't every- go to Italy. With, don't run away to Italy with the love of your life. Is what we learned from that movie. <sighs> <laughs> it definitely sounds like we solved the ending though I think so. or maybe Chris and Bell did I don't know anyway this was uh, a lot of fun if you made it this far thank you so much for listening and I mean you know what to do subscribe to the podcast Spotify Apple Podcasts wherever you're listening and don't miss out on the next episode because you know who we're going to be talking about Jordan Peele he's back after three years with Nope So go watch it and we'll be back to spoiler the heck out of it with you in two weeks. Goodbye. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning. Morning. Good morning.
Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.